When he got on a plane in Portland, Oregon last night, he was just another passenger who gave his name as D.A. Cooper. But today, after hijacking a Northwest Airlines jet, ransoming the passengers in Seattle, then making a getaway by parachute somewhere between there and Reno, Nevada, the description on one wire service, master criminal. Bill Curtis reports. Welcome back for another edition of History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Chavez, and I am joined by the illustrious Johnny Townsend. Oh, that's me. You're illustrious today. I feel it. <laughs> and with us, as always, the un—I was going to say unattainable—and I don't know where that came from, Carter Johnson. Uh, you know, I'll take it, <laughs> Carter. Can we possibly attain you? I, it's gonna it's gonna cost extra, but you know I think it I think it could be possible. Man, he gets one book published, and then we're no good for him. <laughs> <laughs> History creeps. Who? Yeah, I don't know those guys. Somebody's getting too big for his bridges over there. Go see him. Hey, if you hey this this won't be out in time, so never mind. I was gonna like pump up your <laughs> heroes conned thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're... Strike out from the record. Strike it. <laughs> That's amazing. You know what? Here, I'll do this. If you didn't go see Carter during Heroes Con, you're dead to me. <laughs> you missed out. You missed yeah. out big time. Cause... We don't want your business. Just stop <laughs> listening right now. It was quite a crowd. Quite expect, a crowd. Expect to find a uh, horse's head in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, when are we going to cover mafia stuff? I can't wait. Um, no, we're gonna, we got a cool topic today, guys. Um Carter, you said you didn't, you don't know anything about. So you have to know something about this. I, I've, I've seen it, you know, like on a couple of YouTube videos, and uh, seen what? <laughs> just the, the it. fact it's, it was basically the, the perfect crime. What, what is it? We haven't actually set the subject. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that, that this guy, DB Cooper. Yeah, we're talking DB Cooper today. Or as the newsman said, D.A. Cooper. D- yeah, we, we call him that, but it should be, you know, in like quote marks or something because that's not even, it's probably not even the guy's, you know, real name. So it's more than, I don't think it is the guy's real name. I think they pretty much know that. Who knows who he is? I mean, it could be anybody. Uh, yeah, no, D.B. Cooper um, has gone down in history as pretty much the only guy to ever get away with hijacking a plane. Uh, in the in this country, uh, and not get arrested for it or be found dead, and take the money and run. He took the money well, and run. Well, he took well he took to run money and jumped technically, and he, he didn't get to keep it off. As he probably ran Chris after. Probably get too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, what about you, Johnny? Were you familiar with this case at all? Were you familiar with the story of Mister DB? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know all these uh, mysteries and unsolved crimes and stuff. I. I usually kind of look into, so I know I know some stuff about this. Yeah, I love the fact that it's still unsolved. Like they still can't figure out who it was, uh, and they haven't found all the money. So let's get to it before we jump into all of all that stuff. Let's let's get to it straight f- uh, from the beginning. DB Cooper is not the guy's real name, obviously. 
Uh, as you heard the news reporter at the beginning, he called him D.A. Cooper. Um, when he this guy originally bought his ticket, he called himself Dan Cooper. So here's the story for uh, Carter specifically. If you you don't know much about it, I uh, knew the Dan Cooper thing though. Now yeah. that you say that, that that pops in that pops into my head of yeah, that's that that part of it is familiar. So yeah, back in 1971, uh, out in Portland, Oregon, there was a plane that was going to go from Portland to Seattle, Washington. And this guy is is at the airport, and he walks up to the counter, buys a ticket for the one way flight, and and he says his name's Dan Cooper. And he's there's nothing about this guy that stands out, you know what I mean? So it's not like people could say, oh, he had a scar. I remember exactly what he looked like. He was kind of a plain-looking guy, uh, not threatening at all. Didn't look like any of the kind of people that were hijacking planes at the time. Uh, in the seven, 60s and 70s, it was mostly um, terrorist-driven the- uh, terrorist you know, hijackings. Yeah, that's changed a lot since then. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Dan Cooper looks just like a normal businessman, right? So he gets on the plane with this briefcase, and uh, as he's getting ready to, as they're getting ready to take off, he hands a note to one of the stewardesses that's sitting there. And at first, she thinks it's like he's like trying to be, you know, s- swift with her, trying to get her number, like he's trying to pass her a note. So she doesn't even look at it. Um, but he kind of leans over and he tells her, you know, you might want to look at that. I have a bomb. So she's like fumbles for it and looks and sees that he basically says that he's got a bomb and what he wants from her is to come sit next to him. And while she's sitting next to him, he tells her, I want you to get $200,000, four parachutes and a truck to refuel the the plane when we land in Seattle. So she takes that message up to the the pilot and co-pilot and they radio to the, you know, to the airport and let them know what's going on in Seattle. So in Seattle, they they you know notify the proper authorities and they start working on getting all the money from the local banks. Um, meanwhile, you know he's up there just relaxing. They said like everybody that was interviewed on the that came in contact with him said he was like really polite, really nice guy. You know what I yeah, mean? That, yeah, that's the thing that blew me away. I saw that too. Like everybody said said that he seemed really calm, uh, very polite. Like he never raised his voice. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why, um, and we'll get to it later. There's there was a lot of people they thought it could have been, um, uh, but for that kind of that behavior, it doesn't match for those people. Um, but yeah, he was very like relaxed, and he was um, he just he knew exactly what he was doing. Basically, it was almost like he had done it over and over. It's a weird way that he c- carried himself. And the uh, the flight attendant remembered um, after coming back from giving them the note, there was a weird thing about the one weird thing he did do is he put on his sunglasses. That's weird. Yeah. All of a sudden he put his sunglasses on. It was like, it was like an afterthought. He didn't want anyone remembering what his face looked like, you know? So, um, so it take what normally would take like a, a 30 minute flight, uh, from Portland to Seattle ends up taking two hours. Cause the plane's got to keep flying around while they get all this stuff ready. Like they're trying to find these, these parachutes and, um, Apparently, they were going to try to supply him with parachutes from the government, and he said no. He wanted like a, a private company, some little company, um, to supply them so that they didn't have time to prepare, you know, put any trackers on them or anything. <laughs> That's kind of smart. Too. Yeah, no, yeah, he knew what he was doing. And then he, uh, and, and and then they, they ended up getting all the money ready, and they took photographs of all the serial numbers. They they documented every serial number on, on all the bills uh, so that they could, you know, track it down if he ever spent any of the money. Um, so finally, after two hours, two hundred thousand dollars, four parachutes are, are are have been gathered up. 
and a truck full of, of fuel waiting at the airport, they land. And they, they taxi to like the farthest, you know, area of the runway so that they're away from the airport and, you know, they can, he can see if there's anyone coming to ambush him, any cops or anything. And while they're sitting there, it's evening. Now, mind you, it's evening. There's a storm rolling in. Um, it's, it's starting to get slightly rainy. So while they're sitting on the runway, again, he's extremely smart. He lets all the people out and he tells them to turn all the lights off in the cabin so that the cops can't pick them off with a sniper. Also very smart. Yes. So then he sends down the lady to go get the money, uh, get the parachutes. One of the ladies and she does, she goes and brings it all back up to him and they start to refuel the, the, um, the plane and then they started they said something was wrong with the the tank and he started to get a little suspicious a little nervous that was the one time they said he started acting slightly nervous uh and then they brought in another truck and refueled the plane then he let the stewardesses go he kept the pilots and the co-pilot and he directed them to fly to mexico i thought he kept one stewardess was it i think so uh, because I mean, was it the one he was was it the one he was sweet on? He was passing her the number. <laughs> I don't remember that part. <laughs> I don't remember that yeah, part. I think that's the one I've heard too. Is that he kept one of the he kept that yeah. one? Story. Nice. So yeah, but he did. He did. He ended up keeping these 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 people on the plane and directed them to fly to Mexico. Now he told them exactly how to fly too. He told them how what altitude to go to, uh, which was the lowest altitude you can fly um, with without the you know having problems flying that size of a plane because it's a 747 i'm sorry 727 i didn't mention that earlier it's a big boeing 727 um it wasn't completely full it was about a third a third of the passengers had filled the plane so he after he let them go it wasn't like a whole plane full of people but um so anyway uh they're flying it he's he tells them to go as low as they can for uh, a plane of that size and at the slowest speed possible that that plane can go without, you know, wobbling and coming down. Um, and then the other thing that they noted when one of the instructions he gave them was that he told them exactly how to uh, position the wing flaps to, to cause the most drag on the plane. So it was like he had some sort of knowledge on, on the plane, on physics, on something about flying. You know what I mean? Yeah, like maybe he was a, a pilot himself, not not big you know, commercial planes, but exactly you know, private. Yeah. So before they take off, he tells him he wants to go there and this is how they have to fly. And he also tells him he wants them to release, to open the, uh, the stairs, the little, st- the landing gear stairs. And he, they were like, you can't do that. It's dangerous to even try to take off that way. So he's like, don't worry about it. I'll do it. You know, I'll do it myself kind of a thing. So he, he ends up locking everyone in the, in the cockpit as they take off. Well, didn't the, um, the reason I think the store he kept one stewardess was I pretty I'm pretty sure she's the one who said that even they didn't know that you could like lower the some of the stuff he was doing. Only I don't know. No one actually witnessed him do it. He had them all locked in the cockpit. No one had a clue what was going on until when they were in the cockpit, a light came on saying that the thing had been lowered. And then and then all of a sudden they saw he told them not to pressurize the cabin, but they noticed there was an even uh, higher drop in pressure. No one actually witnessed him do anything. No one had a clue how he did it, um, you know, how long it took him to do it or, or anything. He ended up locking everyone in the cockpit. And then, That's crazy. Yeah. And then so they, they're sitting here in the cockpit. They're up in the air. Uh, it's raining. It's, it's just horrible weather out. The temperatures are really cold temperatures. And now – the military has sent two fighter jets up to track this plane because they want to get this guy. 
Um, <laughs> exactly. So there's two military jets following this plane, but no one can see it. They can't see each other. They can't see the 727 and the 727. The pilots can't see these fighter jets on, you know, tailing them. Um, because the weather's just nasty. They're sitting in the cockpit. The light goes off, says that the, the, those stair things have been lowered. And all of a sudden the pressure drops even more. Um, and they fly that way. Um, for quite a while, I, to be honest with you, I forget it where it says they landed. Um, Wasn't it Reno? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They were supposed to land in Reno because originally when he was telling them how he wanted them to fly, they said, listen, if we fly that slow and with that sort of drag, we're going to eat up fuel super fast. We'll have to refuel before we hit Mexico. You're right. Uh, and they ended up having to go to Reno to refuel. So when they went to land in Reno... They ended up landing with that staircase thing still laying out and, you know, did all kinds of damage. Um, cops swarm the car. They all get in, you know, they or, or the plane. They all jump into the, the plane and search the plane. They can't find him. He's gone. He jumped, parachuting all, took off. $200,000. Thin air. They couldn't find him. The planes, none of the fighter jets saw him jump. They didn't see any, you know, uh, parachutes deploy. Uh, neither did the pilots of the 727. And, That's insane. Yeah, and he was never found again. Yeah, well, what's even crazier is where he jumped out at is nothing but like humongous dense forest. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's a uh, it's in this day and age, and I think it's still like this today you know, over yeah. out west over there. Oh yeah. It's so it's so dense that you know you just can't possibly find everything that's that's in there oh yeah i've been out there aaron uh my wife and i took a road trip um a cross-country road trip for about a month we w drove around the country and we went out to oregon and, and washington state and that space between seattle and portland it's just a lot of mountains and it's a lot of dense dense forest like super dense forestry so when he jumped he jumped out over that in super cold temperatures without the right gear um, in, you know, in nasty weather, raining with $200,000, you know, strapped to him or, or in a bag or however he was, he was carrying it with him. Uh, you know what I mean? And he left two of the parachutes on board. So he took that, you know, one reserve with him and one, one, uh, one that he was supposed to use to, you know, normally deploy. But so did, did, did they ever find any of the money? Well, later on they did, but during this entire time, like they they tried to search for the guy. They questioned all kind. There was actually a guy named DB Cooper uh, that lived up in the north northwest area, and they ended up the FBI brought him in and questioned him, and they couldn't find this guy. They couldn't find the money. They didn't find the guy. Um, they put you know they they put out copies of all the serial numbers to all the different casinos in the area, to all the different you know. Um, all the banks, everything they could get out there to try to find if this money was in circulation and no one found it. The money wasn't found. I think it wasn't until the eighties, 1980 something. Some kid found it when he and his family were camping. Um, it was on like a riverbed. Yeah. He was gathering up like, uh, he like brush or something for the fire and, and scraping up the riverbed and came across this money and it was pretty deteriorated. Um, but the, the serial and it wasn't matched. all of it. How much was it? Did they say, um oh i don't remember i, I know didn't. it wasn't i know it wasn't all of it and i think since then they've actually found more of really it, i'm thinking right um but yeah that this kid's just he's just sitting there uh you know on the bank because his family's camping out and all of a sudden he just finds this money just buried in the sand on the on the riverbank or in the mud or whatever 
Yeah, it was 1980. He was an eight-year-old boy vacationing uh, on the Columbia River, the banks of the Columbia River, just downstream from Vancouver, Washington. And it was it was says two packs of one hundred twenty-dollar bills. Somebody do math super fast. That's two thousand dollars each. Two packs. Okay, so and then a third pack of ninety. So yeah, so roughly just under three hundred three thousand dollars the kid found in destroyed money, basically. But it was that math. (laughs) What's that? I'm glad you did that math because I draw pictures. I don't do the math thing. <laughs> I do the little dots and then do the circles to group them. And <laughs> no. um, so, okay. So how, that's how much a- in total? Johnny said they they found more later on. How much in total had they found? Had they found more later on? I didn't I didn't know about that. I'll keep talking. I will look it up. I'm pretty sure I'd heard that. Yeah, I had just heard that this kid found it, and they they confirmed it by the serial numbers. Um, and one of the weird, one of the cool things they said was the, the way it was deteriorated. It wasn't buried. It definitely wasn't buried. It looks like the way the the bills had been rounded at the edges and certain pockmarked spots on each of the uh, on the, these stacks um it definitely looks like it ended up somewhere upstream and the river is what brought it downstream and deposited it on the bank at some point um yeah to be honest with you i don't i don't know if they ever found i know there was other things that came up like right after that the money was found uh, a couple years like a year later a, a human skull was found and everyone right away started saying oh it's, it's db cooper's skull but it ended up being um uh, like a Native American woman. Um, I really don't think there was any more money found, to be honest with you. I know there was a guy that tried to um, try to uh, make fake bills using the, the serial numbers that the FBI had put out. <laughs> yeah, he made he made he, he counterfeited a whole bunch of bills with those serial numbers and then ended up extorting uh an, uh, a journalist. The journalist wanted to interview him and, and talk about how they found all this money and stuff. And they extorted like thirty thousand. They sold their story for thirty thousand dollars. Ended up being counterfeit money. Maybe wow. that's what I'm. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy faked it for yeah. sure. And but this is still in, like it's a still an ongoing open FBI investigation. Like this isn't a, a, a closed case because there's constantly things coming up about this guy. Like um, there are people, there are many people who on their deathbed have claimed to have been DB Cooper. Uh, there are people who you know, um, not even on their deathbed, they just they claim to be DB Cooper, and it's always been found to not be true. One of the things that right before when they they stormed the plane and found they found he had been gone. There was some things he had left behind, uh, one of which was his necktie. So they do have partial DNA evidence off the necktie. Was it like a clip-on or something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that they can't be sure that it's his DNA. They just know that there's partial DNA on the tie. Um, so all these people that always claim to be him, that's that's who they match the DNA up against is, is the one they found on the tie. And it was... Uh, it doesn't usually match. Now, the one that was closest that I found kind of cool and intriguing was, um, I think it was like a 2011 or 2010. Um, this woman came out saying that it was her uncle that was D.B. Cooper. Um, and she, the reason she knew this is because she remembers her dad. Her dad told her about it, told her that, you know, your uncle did this. Uh, and she also remembers the night because when this all happened, it went down around Thanksgiving. And she remembers 
being nine years old uh, around Thanksgiving and noticing some weird things going on with the family. There was a clip on the news about it. Here it is. Listen to this. My father made a comment about his long-lost brother, my uncle L.D., and said that he thought he was still alive but hiding from the FBI. And I questioned why he would be hiding. He said, don't you remember he hijacked that airplane? A couple of years ago, my mother made the com- another comment, a similar comment. Why have you decided to come forward? Actually, I contacted the FBI as soon as I was sure that what I was remembering were real memories. There's a crime that's taken place that hasn't been solved, and I'm the only person, as far as I know, who knows what happened. Marla was eight at the time of the hijacking. My two uncles, who I only saw at holiday time, were planning something very mischievous. They left to supposedly go turkey hunting, and Thanksgiving morning I was waiting for them to return. A day later, Northwest Orient Flight 305 was indeed hijacked. Her Uncle L.D. came home claiming to be in a car accident. My Uncle L.D. was wearing a white T-shirt, and he was bloody and bruised and a mess, and I was horrified. I began to cry. And uh, my other uncle, who was with L.D., um, said, Marla, just shut up and go get your dad. I definitely think it was strange that he he disappeared like that. Marla's mother, Grace Haley, believes her brother-in-law could be the hijacker. I think it was more what I didn't know that made me suspicious than uh, than what I did know, because when any time the subject would come up, it just immediately got cut back off again. <laughs> Okay, that's even more eerie. Isn't that cool though? Like she, like this, she has this. She remembers this story, or you know, this time in her life where her uncles are acting that way. The very next day after the hijacking, uh, which would have been the next day after DB Cooper or Dan Cooper, whoever it was, jumped from the plane, uh, landed, and made his way back home. Um, the guy shows up, you know, bloodied, all you know tree pieces in his clothes, all disheveled, and he says he's in a car accident. Yeah, that's 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 odd, too. I want to know, though, like he said, she said her two uncles went turkey hunting, but the one came back saying he was in a car accident. Didn't they worry about the other uncle? Like, did he survive the car accident? There was, like, wasn't no he, mention. I think, wasn't he there, too? Oh, was yeah, he? Yeah, didn't she? Oh, they yeah, both came back. They both came back. Oh, I thought she said he just came back. I I heard it wrong because I was like, but if Wait. they were, yeah, but if they were together, why wasn't the other uncle yeah. in the car in the car accident too? So it's it could be though that he uh, maybe he was the getaway driver. Maybe he you know picked him up at a landing point. Yeah. yeah, I was looking something up while you were talking about that. Yeah, you know that, you know, uh, that money that they, that that boy recovered. Yeah, uh, they sold fifteen uh, of those twenty dollar bills from that. In 2008, in Dallas, and they went for $37,000. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's insane. To a private collector, or? Uh, it just says winning bidders. So I'm assuming they don't want anybody to know the names and stuff. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so this lady, I think, is one of the more intriguing stories. Like, there's, there's a guy that they thought, um, a lot of the people that they profiled and thought it could be uh, were people like, Marines, outdoor huntsmen, people who are survivalist type of people. Um, and this, this lady's just like, her uncles are these mischievous kind of guys. You know what I mean? So to me, I kind of like, it's like that more romanticized 
story I like where it's they're just a, the normal everyday guy that pulled it off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be, and I think wasn't she the one who said like he had uh, he actually did take like some flying lessons or something before? Yeah, yeah, he had taken flying lessons, so he knew how to fly. Um, also, a lot of people think that uh, the name DB Cooper had been taken from a comic book. There was a uh, a Canadian or French comic book um, that featured a parachutist, a skydiving parachutist who was the, the hero of the story, and his name was D.B. Cooper. Um, and she has pictures of her uncle uh, with posters of the D.B. Cooper you know, character on his wall behind him. Um, so there was that other tie there. It's kind of like, huh, maybe it is. Um, that's, no, that's, that's even more interesting than... Yeah, there's some more crazy stuff that com- comes with this. But before we get to it, I wanted to tell you guys, I don't know if Johnny knew this or, or if you guys saw any of this in your, you know, what you saw... But right after he pulled this off and the cops hadn't been able to catch him, uh, the very next year, there was like an insane amount of people trying to copycat it and pull off the perfect crime again. Like people Woo! were people were hijacking planes like crazy in 1972, demanding money and then parachuting out of them only to be caught. I did see that. Wow. And, uh, just I, I a, that. Just a little quick thing. That comic was called Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper. Which was what that guy's name that he wrote down originally anyway. Ah, there you go. Beautiful. Um, Was it French or Canadian? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, it was Canadian. French Canadian. Yeah, that works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, yeah. And so in 1972, there's all of these these hijackings. And I I found some of them on, on... the most reliable of sources, Wikipedia. And I just thought they were kind of funny, <laughs> but uh, so I was going to talk about some of them. Like this one guy, uh, his name's Garrett Trapnell. He hijacked a TWA airliner uh, at the very beginning of the year, January, 1972, wanted $306,800 in cash cash. Uh, he wanted the release of Angela Davis and he wanted to speak to president Nixon. Who's Angela Davis. I have no clue. Someone's going to have to do the, uh, the oh, research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the plane landed, though, at Kennedy Airport, he was shot by the FBI uh, and then arrested. <laughs> nice. So he didn't try to jump. Uh, but then the guy who saw that in the news decided he was going to try do one better. So this Army veteran uh, boarded a plane in Las Vegas, brandished what he claimed was a bomb, demanded 50000 in cash, two parachutes, and a helmet, one better than D.B. Cooper. Uh, and then he released the passengers, the two flight attendants. He were, were they, uh, and then he bailed out over the trees of Colorado. Uh, blah blah blah. There was a tracker on the parachute, so they nabbed him a few hours <laughs> later. Didn't get yeah, away I- with it. Yeah, another guy did. Uh, did the same thing in April. Hijacked a seven twenty seven, demanded five hundred thousand dollars, jumped from the plane, landed safely, arrested two days later. Wow! Yeah, did these... they bust? Did they bust him because he was spending the money? Who knows? It didn't say here. But like these guys are just morons, man. Why? Well, Listen to this. This well, one's well, a great one right here. Perfect crime after somebody else already had. Yeah, exactly. Because they're gonna be ready for it. Here's <laughs> exactly this guy right here. He does the same. He used to be a paratrooper, right? So he hijacks a plane in Reno, demands two hundred thousand, two parachutes, jumps into darkness over Washoe Lake. The police find his car nearby, and it's got a bumper sticker that says United States Parachute Association. So they just wait for him to arrive, and they arrest him. Yeah, well played. That one's, that one's yeah, that one's nice and easy. 
idiot. Angela Davis, if it's the one I'm, that I'm finding, was actually an American political activist. There you go. Okay. And, yeah, and she was arrested at one point. That's the one then. So, yeah. So 15 in total uh, hijackings happened in 1972 that tried to copy Cooper's great escape and failed miserably. Well, they say that usually happens with all these big crimes. Somebody tries to copycat them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but no one got away. No one got away at all like DB. I think that's why this one's so cool, and it's it's still a mystery. No one knows who he is, no matter how many times people have confessed to being him. Um, and I like this lady's story. I really do. You guys want to hear some craziness that's tied to this as, as well? You might already know this. But so remember how he wanted the parachutes, and he didn't want to take it from the government. He ended up taking it from a private skydiving school. Um, the night, the name of the guy that owned the skydiving school, his name was Earl Cossey. And he had put together the four parachutes to give to Cooper in April of 2013. He was found dead in his home in, in Seattle. He, his death was ruled a homicide due to blunt force trauma to the head and no one was ever caught in his killing. Okay. That's weird. Dude. <laughs> huh? What, what the, the hell? Well, that's even weird because, I mean, 2013, if uh, D.B. Cooper is was even, even still alive. Yeah, yeah. If he's even still alive now, he'd be really, really old. You get over here. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's already in, wasn't he like already in his mid-40s, 50s when he did this? I mean, come on. That's crazy. Yeah, so there's a, there's just a weird little thing do they, there. Do they, even have, do they even have a motive for, for that guy's murder other than the fact that he was connected to the no authorities say that they think it was burglary attempt but there's no they they have they don't know for sure that's yeah uh -uh, here's how you tell was anything stolen (laughs) nothing was stolen except even but even if something was stolen it's like if you're there to you know specifically to kill this guy you can go hey i'm gonna make it look like a, a a robbery gone bad and i'm gonna steal some random stuff yeah right you know they um they did find spray painted on the wall db cooper was here spelled w u z so what? uh <laughs> he's, try- he's trying to be hip <laughs> he's that's a hip old that's guy. why i wore the sunglasses inside the plane <laughs> yeah db stiff for douchebag <laughs> i was here that, uh, no that almost sounds like somebody trying to perpetuate legend just to keep going that'd be so fucked up can you imagine i agree not caring like you don't give a fuck like you have like this one thing in your life where you helped out when somebody asked for help you know they came to you and like listen this is going on you want to save some people in the air give us some parachutes sure no problem who knew that fucking 40 50 years later someone was going to kill you just to get some more story going because yeah because john said Johnny just said he he was what forty or so when he when he pulled this off. Yeah, he was. So. Yeah. And so the guy's more than likely dead by that point. If he, I'm still not convinced he didn't. He's not dead in the woods somewhere. Yeah, at some point I think we're gonna end up finding remains, and they're gonna say finally the story of DB Cooper uh, is put to rest. Um, oh, there was another cool little uh, tidbit of information that came from this. Um, to avoid any more copycat hijackings after all those 15, 1972 uh, hijackings, um, the FAA required Boeing 727s now to be fitted with a device that would prevent lowering the uh, air stairs during flight, and they named it the Cooper, the Cooper Vane. 
<laughs> in honor of Mr. D- D.B. Cooper. That's pretty That's pretty good. Yeah, hey, right. we all in our lives stand out to start, you know, make changes, positive changes. <laughs> and to be fair, he did so. Well, that's true. That's Planes true. are just a little a bit safer. Way, yeah, he, he did make a positive change. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Um, I don't know. I think I think what Chris said about about this kid finding the money, you know, should should sort of solidify that he's. I mean, what do you guys think? I I think he's probably dead if if the money. Because if I'm if I'm gone through all this trouble to get all this money, and I drop some while I'm making my escape, I'm gonna stop and pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? he went, yeah, he went through a lot of trouble. trouble to do it. Yeah, exactly. I jumped out of a plane. I mean, well, they also said like this was around Thanksgiving, so it was already cold to start with. I mean, you're up in the Oregon or Washington mountains, uh, up in the the dense forest. So my guess would be too that he didn't make it out of those out of those woods. Because <laughs> I mean, it's it's really crazy to me that all these years later, not one person uh, knew who he was. Because if that guy yeah. lived, you know, somebody else would know. Because he would have told somebody. Nobody, you don't keep that to yourself. Yeah, nobody's uh, nobody spent the money. That's the thing to me, yeah. That nobody's nobody's spent the money, and none of the money has popped up other than what what they found washed up on that creek. Yeah, the only time that money was put in a bank was on the river. Yeah, really, a river bank. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I was way I too proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like if the guy were alive, they would have found some. Of, not necessarily him, but maybe, you know, found some of the money down the road. At some yeah. point, it's going to be found, you know. But again, we got to remember that area of the country, all those trees, how thick it is. If if he lost the money, you know, during freefall at some point before he deployed his parachute, um, like, you know what I mean? Like, it could be scattered everywhere in in, in tattered pieces by now, just pieces of dust, even. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. But yeah, just to back up your point though, uh, Chris, I actually just looked on the FBI's page. Uh, and they still have an open page for this. That's so awesome. I didn't even yeah. think to look at the FBI information on it. Yeah. Well, why would you? I'm not going to that website. <laughs> well, they know <laughs> I did now. So. You're on your own right now, Johnny boy. That's, uh, that's all you, man. <laughs> I'm going to send them a list of all my friends and their social security numbers. So you guys can go ahead and just comp those up for me. <laughs> Great. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so both you guys think that he's he died. He didn't make it jumping. That that's that's what that's what I really think. But I'd, you know be su- what? I'd be surprised if he made it. I but here's the here's the funny thing. I don't want to think that. I, I'm kind of on same. Chris's, I want to think that he you know survived and maybe made it to Aruba or something like that. Yeah, and, and that's a much cooler story. Don't get me wrong. I would love oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That's a much cooler story. It has a nice. What did you say, Chris? It has a nice romantic. There's a romanticism you know, kinda, to it for yeah, sure. Kind of outlawish sort of feel to it, you know. That he that he screwed the system and and got away with it. Yeah, let's face it. Like we we've always, as a society, as a culture, as a human race, it seems to gravitate towards um, the antihero that stands up against the establishment that we perceive to be like stepping on, you know, the people. So like when you see somebody that did this and got away with it, you know, and you just see the Keystone Cop feel of the FBI and other other organizations trying to find this guy and they just cannot find him. 
there's almost that like you're rooting for the Robin Hood, you know? He didn't give yeah. it away, but you're rooting for him. You're kind of like that's this is great. I don't want them to ever find his remains. I don't want them to ever find, you know, more money. Or I don't want anyone to ever say this really was him. I wanted that the dude really just got and he just disappeared into history, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think that's just it's it's, it's like the origin of the Joker. I don't really ever want to know. There you go. Exactly. I'd rather it be a mystery. Maybe there's three DV Coopers. Exactly right. Yeah, I would rather not know. <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, there's three DB Coopers this whole time. It's great, John, dude. This... Johnny, Johnny, do you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, no, I I like the idea that you know maybe that he got away, but it seems more logical that his body is probably somewhere. Yeah. And, and just like you guys said. It may be another 20, 30, 40 years before his remains are ever discovered. That, if, that's some dense, dense woods there. And think yeah, about and, it. And also, uh, there's all kinds of wildlife in there, there too. Like, there's, it's hard telling what what's even happened. I was going to say the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, his remains could be in three or four different places by now. Who knows? Or not even. I mean, you could get a bear that just completely crushed the bones as he ate them, you know? Like, that's true it, too. It, it could be where you will never really know. Yeah, I, it just seems more like that's what happened. Because again, you would you feel like the, some of the money would sh- would have shown up by now at some point, right? Yeah, why steal all of that and then and not all, use it? all the numbers? Um, here's another fun fact: uh, in Ariel, Washington, there's a an event held annually on the weekend after Thanksgiving that they call Cooper Day. And they have Cooper themed promotions held by restaurants and bowling alleys. Wow. <laughs> so they just kind of run with it. Oh, yeah. The DB Cooper stories showed up in all kinds of stuff, all kinds of pop culture, too. Um, oh, it's the awesome first place story. I saw it was. Where's that? Unsolved Mysteries, of course. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I saw, I saw, the... it, on, uh, I saw it on NCIS, actually. Gibbs caught the guy who was DB Cooper, and it was Fred Ward. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And he and he ended he ended up reconnecting with that stewardess and marrying her. Was their like romanticized, you know, version of it. Nice. That's like that's like DB Cooper fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're shipping him and the and the stewardess, yeah. That's so amazing. But yeah, uh I always thought that was a cool story. It's one of those it's again, it's a mystery. It's definitely a mystery. I don't know that's too creepy, but it's just one of those bizarre parts of our history that you're probably not going to learn in history books. You know what I mean? They don't usually teach you those things in school. I wouldn't say creepy, but I would say very odd and different and and bizarre, like you said. And and like you said before, I don't think people realize this. This is the only uh, hijacking app in America that was never solved. Yeah. They got got away with it completely. Well, Um, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, so far. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're right. Just that it wasn't solved. Yeah. Well, I mean, for all we know, it might, you know, who knows, the next two or three years, you know, maybe one of those deathbed confessions will turn out to be, you know, one of the deathbed confessions turned out to be true when the guy said he was, he was deep throat. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, they've, oh. they've identified the guy that was deep throat now. He said he was, and Woodward and Bernstein were finally like, okay, he's dead, yeah, that was him. We weren't allowed to tell you till after he died, but yeah, that was him. Woodward and Bernstein. So <laughs> yeah, you know those two Muppets who always. 
What are their what names? What were those guys? I was trying to say. No, those were the best. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. So DB Cooper, I wanted to bring to the table this this episode because uh, again, it was one that always fascinated me, and um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm definitely one of these guys that when I when I read history stories, I love the ones that um that can keep you having a conversation about it, keep you talking about it because it's not just so cut and dry. No one knows. So without knowing it could have gone anywhere. It could, he could have been, you know, a double agent working for another country or who knows. That's a good one. This was in the seventies, 1971. This is, I mean, that's way before, I mean, it's not that long ago, but, Think technologically. No one can get away with that today. That's in, you could not get away with with it. I don't think you no. could. There, no, there, no, there's no way. There's too much. Uh, they'll, they'll have a satellite following you. Yeah, too much technology. You know? well, they, well, they got uh, helicopters now that can find you in the nighttime in the dark. So <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. And they don't so, even see, they actually. Yeah, because they register body heat or something, so you can't even get away that way. Did you, um, do you guys, I was having this conversation, my wife and I were watching, do you guys see that show, or have you read the book, eleven twenty two sixty three, the Stephen King book about uh, the JFK assassination? No, I haven't read it yet, but I really want to. Now yeah. that I have Netflix, I may start watching it. Yeah, the idea behind it is this guy finds a, a time portal, time slip, and it takes him to a specific time in 1962, or actually in the book, it's much earlier. Uh, it's like 1950 something, and, and he ends up trying to stop the assassination of JFK. But uh, when we were watching the TV version of it, it's funny because you realize back then how not I don't want to say free, but carefree we were. Like well, there was there was no worry for security reasons whatsoever. Like this guy is from the you know 2015 and he goes back to the 19 late 50s early 60s. And he tries to get a job. And when he gets a job, he has no paperwork to say who he is, you know, the right, but he, it's just who he says he is. And he has a, a resume and, you know, he says, I'm so and so. And they just believe him. They put him in a classroom to teach kids. And they're like, all right, this guy says he's so and so and he must be. No yeah. problem. You know what, though? You know what, though? If I'm, a, if I'm a time traveler and I need a job, that's the first thing I'm going to do is try to be a history professor. <laughs> or a history type of teacher, because I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna drop some wisdom on you, little kids. <laughs> you know that oh, president yeah. we have? He's about to have his head blown off. Oh, never mind. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> or even, or even more than that, or even more than that. You know, you know these atom bombs you're worried about? Yeah, they're never gonna drop. So don't even, don't even sweat it. <laughs> no more ducking under your your desk. No more, yeah, you, no more drills. It, it's not gonna save you anyway, kids. But don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always did make, make me laugh. Like you get under the desk, like that's going to save you from an atomic bomb going off. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, that's the same. Uh, there was an old South Park episode where the volcano erupted, and uh, they told the kids that to protect yourself from from the lava of a, of a volcano, you just kind of bend down yeah. and you put your hands over your yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> then of course, when the volcano erupts, it literally just just murders people left and right because they're doing that <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it does the thing like in that time, my point was like in that time, it was so much more not innocent even because there was still they were going through a lot of things as well. But I just feel like you can't pull it off these days. You can't do it. There's too many security features on anything. You could walk in D- Dan Cooper. This guy could walk into an airport, call himself Dan Cooper, maybe even show certain paperwork that says the name on it. But these days that wouldn't fly. That would not work. No, you yes. have to have some sort of ID on you. Yeah, 
Exactly. And then ID that's scannable and shows up some sort of, you know, blue light infrared image to make sure it's a real ID. Yeah, and that's that kind of that kind of false paperwork and ID is not cheap. Yeah, you can't do it. That's what I'm saying. These days I mean, that's you, just not you, happening. You, you would end up spending more money than you would, you know, perceivably Gain. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's Carter, Carter's looked into it. If that's his real name, <laughs> hey, it's my job to think about these things. That's hilarious, so, and I guess that's why. That's probably why um, our security features are so tight anymore. Because all of these people who've tried to get away with things, you just continue to catch on to those new things and and do things to protect against them. So we could thank DB Cooper for a lot of the security features we have on identity, maybe plain planes oh he definitely uh added his mark to it that's for sure oh absolutely yep so there you guys have it that's my story for the for this episode db cooper good old danny good old danny boy hope Danny I, boy hope i dropped wisdom on on you listeners and and even carter carter you weren't too familiar hope you walk away with this with more info absolutely if somebody asks you about it you can give them the scoop I can, yeah, I can drop some knowledge like, on somebody. You and DB His go back. His knowledge will be, hey, here, ask Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. He's like, uh, hey, you know about DB Cooper? Matter of fact, I do. Listen to yeah, this yeah, podcast this called History Creeps. You can find it on BICBP-radio.com. That is a nice <laughs> way to plug it. Also coming soon to <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher once again under History Creeps Podcast. Sweet. And Retro Blist with an ED is coming. As part of the network, we have a new network. Um, if <laughs> not, we're we're not even trying to hide the fact that I'm throwing that all out there. Yeah, no, we're promoting, promoting, promoting. <laughs> BICBP radiocom is the new network. We have a whole bunch of podcasts on there. Uh, one that I do with a couple other jokers called Back Issues Comic Book Podcast. As uh, as Johnny mentioned, there is a video game podcast that you and Trevor Franklin do called retro bliss that's right we talk about old school video games like your nintendos and your sega genesis and your and the such like that it's a good time very good time there's all kinds of other stuff on there we, we're about to start a new one called uh what's your five johnny and i found another poor soul to do a podcast with uh what else we got on there you break it, you um, pot it uh, from our friends out in california drew lopez there's a few other shows go check it out bicvp radio dot com and yeah and if you don't then you know we why i mean do you, mad at us? Yeah. do you have something against us did carter say something mean about your mother i mean what happened did was, i do it in print was, was that yeah. the thing did i do it in do print? do you need a hug i will give you a hug was there an unsavory tweet oh Ooh. um what else no do we Anything else, guys? Anything else you have to say? Last-minute thoughts, promotions, musings, or ramblings? I got all my ramblings out. <laughs> so Johnny Townsend is out. And this is... I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go do some research on this now myself, actually. Excellent, excellent. This was, this was like... I, I didn't know all of this stuff. I, I knew the basic parts of it, but not all of this stuff. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be cool. Do some in- investigation into the murder of the parachute guy. I'm gonna ch- and I'm gonna check out this uh, <laughs> this uncle story that, that that you were dropping too. I'm gonna check that out. There you go. 
Hope all our listeners enjoyed the show as well. Go look up uh, any more information you'd like to and uh, check out our Facebook page, History Creeps. Uh, we're going to start posting more posts up there, more information, more history, more... Creepy. More, more. More. <laughs> more? All righty. I said it with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> a big question mark. Uh, for Johnny Townsend, Carter Johnson, this is Chris Chavez, History Creeps. Thanks for listening. See you next time.